Thirty-seven. Take it to ride. Original air date: seventeenth of January, nineteen ninety-seven. Hello and welcome to Scottcast Thirty-seven. This week I'm joined by Anthony. Hello. And we'll be reviewing the episode Tika to Ride, both the extended and remastered version, after a quick synopsis read by Anthony. Red Dwarf is in a crisis. The crew has survived the battle with the future selves, but their curry supplies have been destroyed. Lister is devastated. He suggests that they use the time drive to go into the past and order more curries. Crichton is against it. He is worried that their actions will change the future. While Crichton is attached to the ship's computer, Lister replaces him with Spearhead too. He agrees to the plan and for Lister to disable his guilt chip. Crichton tells the crew that it will be safe to travel to the past. He sets the time drive to take them to a tandoori restaurant, but instead Lister, Crichton, Cat and Rimmer land in a Dallas Books depository in 1963. Upon landing, Lister knocks Lee Harvey Oswald out of a window. Oswald dies and John F. Kennedy is no longer assassinated. To avoid being arrested for Oswald's murder, they escape three years into the future. There they find that Dallas is deserted, JFK has been impeached and arrested, the new president is controlled by the Mafia and has allowed a Soviet nuclear base to be built off the US mainland. In the future, Russia has won the space race and Starbuck no longer exists. The crew go back to 1963. They send Oswald up to the sixth floor so he can shoot JFK and avoid their other selves. On this higher floor, Oswald misses. Lister realizes the assassination would work if there was a second gunman behind the grassy knoll. They go forward in time to when JFK is being sent to prison. Lister convinces him to help. JFK becomes the second gunman and his reputation is restored in history. Right, well, thank you very much, Anthony. And thank you very much, Lizetta, for sending that in. Just before we start with the episode review, Anthony, you've just got a few things to say. Uh, yeah, just a few. Um, well, as we know, this episode, um, although we was guaranteed a Series 7 at the end of uh, Series 6, um, it actually ended up being three years and two months before we uh, finally got round to this series. Yeah. And I don't know about yourself, but as fans, it was a long wait and we didn't know whether it was ever actually going to return. Yeah. Um, now, the Wikipedia page for Series 7 states that this was because of the dissolving of the Rob Grant and uh, Doug Naylor partnership. Right, yeah. And that the cast and crew were all busy on other projects. Um, in my mind, I thought to myself, well, surely it was all down to the um, false rape charges that were brought up against Craig Charles. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it does actually say on Wikipedia for this episode um, that that was a factor, but for the actual Series 7 page, it's not stated. Right. But yeah, basically, um, th these charges were brought against him in 1994, and he was remanded in custody until his trial in February of 95, uh, and both he and a friend were fully acquitted. Um, the alleged victim basically having made the whole thing up it was um, you know totally false allegations yeah sure uh, whilst in remand Craig Charles had been attacked by another inmate with a knife and I seem to remember the press at the time there was a right there was a proper witch hunt against Craig Charles at the time yeah yeah and it's the first time I can remember in my mind thinking you know, actually, we'll wait and see what the outcome... You know, because I didn't want it to true, be true because I was yeah. such a big fan of the show. Yeah, agreed. Which is basically my main reasoning for, oh, I hope this isn't true because I don't want Red Dwarf to end. <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 
you know, I was young at the time. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's the first time I actually realised that the press aren't always right, and uh, you know, especially with the outcome. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, when we come back, uh, we've got the dissolving of the Rob Grant and Doug Naylor partnership. Yeah. Um, we've got the return of Ed By to the director's chair, uh, which he left, if I remember rightly, was meltdown. Yeah. Apparently, Doug Naylor was never happy with the original CGI effects for Series Seven, okay. and the DVD describes uh, this version that we, you know, that we've reviewed the remastered uh, and extended version as a what could have been. Right. Okay. Now, the series, uh, this series, wasn't actually filmed before a live audience. The laughter track that can be heard on the aired versions, um, although it's not canned laughter, it was uh, it was a recorded audience reaction sure. you know, once yeah, they actually yeah. watched the episode. Uh, now, the laughter track is missing from this episode that we're watching because right, yeah. basically, they, well, they didn't show the extra scenes. The extended scenes weren't shown to a live audience, so they didn't have a laughter track yeah. for those scenes. So rather than just leaving some of it out, they've left the whole laughter track track out and as you sit watching this episode you can actually see pauses in the actors you know during filming where they got to allow time for people to laugh yeah yeah and quite strange to watch you know you know they've got to guess how funny a line's going to be for how long they're going to leave you know what sort of gap they've got to leave and um yeah you've got to make it a difficult way to do it yeah uh, now, something else I spotted as well, uh, as part of my research on the IMDb, there's a little comment in the user reviews okay. where one person has stated that this episode gets repeated every year on the Kira channel in Dallas, okay. around about the time of the JFK assassination anniversary. Oh, okay. Which struck me as odd. We always seem to hear about how this episode was taken off the air because of this massacre or because of this war. Yeah, um, yeah. It sounds as if this episode actually gets an airing every year in Dallas because of the JFK link. Wow. <laughs> Very good. The first scene starts, and uh, again, this is the remastered version, and it starts off with some great CGI. It's Starbuck passing through a load of planets and it's very like the intro to Voyager. Yeah, I think it is actually a deliberate spoof of the Voyager intro. Um, okay. Now this this intro is it's from the extended version, uh, which obviously the original didn't have. Yeah. Um, most of the extended shots and scenes are actually just extended by a few seconds. You know, it's just an extra gag here, an extra like like we've seen on previous deleted scenes from yeah, the DVDs. Yeah. Um, except for the ending, we get a totally totally different ending. Yeah. Um, I mean, IMD also went on to state that it spoofs um, the Star Trek. Um, Story city on the edge of uh, okay. well, there's that there's the source of separation at the end, and yeah. then also you've got the um, city on the edge of forever, right? Okay. Which is the uh, it's the Joan Collins one where they go back in time and oh, they affect yes, 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 and they have to you know put things right. Somebody was supposed to die, blah blah blah. I don't know if it's a deliberate nod or not. I mean, I've just recently watched all of the original series and City on the Edge of Forever. That's at the end of season one, one, I think. Yeah, well, lots of people state it as the... I think it's it's down as being the fans' favourite for the original series. Uh, Me, personally, it's... The age I am, it's a story that we've seen done loads of times. We see see it here in Red Dwarf. You know, you, you... 
go back in time and you affect something in the past and it affects how the future is going to turn out. Yeah. And it has to be right. And um, we've, we've basically grown up on this story, right, from... You know, pretty much everything covers this. You know, I mean, the, back to the, the future, time for example. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> so exactly the same story. We've just seen it millions of times. The next scene starts, and Lister is trying to explain to a camera um, exactly what's happened and why they're all still alive. Well, th- this is quite a long, quite a lengthy speech that we've got here. Yeah. Um, now, this was actually presented to Craig Charles on the morning of the filming. Okay. Um, and the the commentary states that it got it all learned for lunchtime and did it all in one take and received rapturous round of applause from all the crew. I'm not surprised. Um, it's quite so, an epic. <laughs> well, it shows how far he's come. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. He'd obviously, he'd obviously not got a hangover on that day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did think, though, because here we go away from the wishy-washy, I, I want to say the BBC-type filming, and it goes a little bit more Hollywood. Uh, they change all the light and everything. And like what we've seen in Back to Earth, it just looks a lot more polished. But I don't know about you, but I thought it kind of took the edge off it. I thought it was a lot I, I less... I know where you're coming from. Um, I mean, I've I've heard lots of people talking about the actual effect, what they've what they've took out of you know the tape to make it look fit like a film or however yeah, yeah. it is it works. <clears throat> I mean, to be honest with you, it's all it went way over my head. Um, right. All I know is it, it does look more. It looks more like a movie, and it almost looks too clean and crisp. Yeah, I think um, that's. I know where people are coming from when they say it. I mean, personally, I, d- I don't mind it. It looks, it looks nice. It looks fresh. Certainly, the exterior shots. I think it suits the exterior shots. Yeah, yeah, agreed. But when they are, uh, you know, when they're in the. Uh, uh, we keep wanting to book suppository. It's depository, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> suppository. <laughs> <When they're> at, <laughs> that sounds painful. When they're at the um when they're at the book depository, yeah. you know, all of that scene where they've got natural light shining through the windows, it seems to suit. Whereas when they're on the Starbuck, to me it looks a bit yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, the commentary does uh, does state that it's actually a dry run for the proposed movie. You know, oh, with the okay. idea that was knocking around at the time, right, so okay. they tried to actually make it look, give it more of a film. Yeah, yeah. Vibe. Mm. I, I thought this again was a very good recap. So anybody that hadn't watched any previous Red Dwarf could quite easily pick it up at this point because um, the the big speech that you mentioned that Lister gives, he explains that long story short, big paradox blows up old self, try to kill new self, kind of cancels each other out, and the, the camera blows up. Yeah, we're basically told that it is impossible for their future selves to kill their past selves because the resulting paradox undoes itself and time gets set back to before they had the time travel device. Yeah. All right, so keep that in mind. A future self cannot kill a past self. Yeah. And we'll go on with this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did notice on this as well, Crichton's had a makeover as well. Is um seemed to have highlighted all his um pointy bits, so to speak. Well, sorry, on his helmet. <laughs> um, this, <laughs> this kind of um each of the edges has been like highlighted in a lighter colour. Again, it might have been for the way it was filmed to make it look more Hollywood. I don't know. Well, one thing they have done, they've made his um costume, they've given it a tin foil effect. Yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, inside the shot, it still looks quite dark. But when they get, when we get outside, uh, on the external shots as they're walking around Dallas, it's um, yeah, it's a tinfoil costume. It's very shiny, and I don't know. I keep expecting, I'd, I'd want to wrap it around a jacket, Tater. You know what I mean? 
It looks like something the cat would wear, actually. Yes, yeah. Um, in fact, it's not far off his gold spacesuit, is it? <laughs> no. Anyway, after that, you get the intro music. So I don't know, again, if that's like a homage to like Voyager or something, but they, I mean, a lot of the American soaps tend to have about a good couple of minutes worth of footage before the intro starts. Um, unlike over here, where we tend to do intro, then, um, then the episode. Uh, personally, I think it's a way of just um, separating the right. We've got to tidy up this bit at the end of last series. Yeah, there you go. That's that bit. Here's the intro. Right, we're off on the series seven now. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, maybe. The next scene starts. And Crichton's explaining that a laser shot ruptured the water tank on, on the supply decks and supply deck B got flooded and wiped out all the poppadoms and all the Indian food supplies. Now, based on what we said earlier, or should say how they introduced it, saying past selves, future selves, cancel each other out, didn't actually happen, it's all just like a big reset button. How did this laser blast affect anything? Because they would have never existed because they cancelled them out. Yeah, it's uh, it, it doesn't seem to work right, does it? Not when they spent the entire scene before explaining the whole paradox and how the magic big reset button worked. And then this just totally goes against it. Because anything that their future selves did n- could have never happened for this to work. Well, the thing is, I didn't think they'd got any supplies. Yeah. You know, series six, they'd got um, one of the things they stated was that they got no supplies. Crichton uses the last jar of chilies on Lister's meal. That's right, yeah. This episode. Um, it, we, we've seen them eating space weevil. Yeah, but all of a sudden they've now got a shed load of curry. Yeah, I mean, it's something else as well. As Crichton is telling Lister all this and, you know, he's, he's distraught and he's sobbing because they've lost all the curry supplies and he's, he's hugging his guitar, he's consoling himself with his guitar. Ah, this yes. is the same guitar that got broken Emo Hawk. Yeah, not even not, Mr. Lister's. Not even Mr. Lister's guitar survived intact. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it got broke. Um, he has had three years, two months to fix it, though. Well, yes, I suppose so. <laughs> and, and maybe possibly they've found some kind of planet and he's been able to make a shed load of takeaways in that time. <laughs> you never know. I'm saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene starts and they're in the cockpit. Rimmer and the cat are wearing the black armbands, kind of because the the food's gone. It's like in memory of. Well, there's a this is part of the extended scenes again. I'm not going to point them all out. Um, yeah. I think there's about two minutes of extra footage here, and other ones it would be like thirty seconds and what have you. But um, yeah, you get an extended gag here, and I've, these are the ones I like. Yeah, you know, it's an extended gag that is funny, and I like to see these ones. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it's just it's just the, the the big extension at the end is the one that had me scratching my head. Anyway, we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, in this as well, you've got the cat's hairline as well, and it seems to have dropped down a good inch on his head, and his eyebrows are bushier. Uh, he reminded me of Teen Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say as I noticed that. I did notice that they all seem to look more slightly more portly in this episode yeah yeah uh, which fair enough you know it's it's been uh, three years uh, i mean they actually mention it on the commentary um i think the main thing with cat with me is he just looks like he needs more makeup uh, yeah quite a bit more makeup possibly 
I don't know. I'm, well, as you said, it is three years. Well, last season we'd we'd said he'd got all the eyeliner on and the big blusher, you know, on his cheeks and what have you. And yes, he seems yeah. to be missing that degree of makeup. So I wonder if it's mainly that that makes the difference between the last episode and this episode. Yeah, possibly. I mean, uh, I suppose in real world terms, I mean, we'd have watched that previous episode like three years, two months ago. Yeah. And yeah. then when we watched this, I think it's because we did it in, well, a fortnight that we we instantly noticed the difference. Anyway, Crichton explains that due to the whole paradox happening, the cargo deck has been extended by 212%. The next scene starts and they're in this humongous, well, what looks like a fridge. It's just kind of, um, you've got the ice and massive fan and everything. And it just looks huge. Well, I mean, according to the commentary, this was filmed at a wind tunnel in Farnborough. Okay. And so the the big fan that you see, that is actually the giant turbine, you know, that oh, okay. you see in the next uh, camera shot. Right, okay. Um, now, the floor, is, as you said, is covered in smoke. It's a dry ice effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this was a painted floor, painted concrete floor. And the one of the things they point out in the commentary is how slippery this floor was. They said it was absolutely lethal. <laughs> and you can actually, if you watch this scene again and watch the uh, crew as they walk along, and they are walking so gingerly, you know, that they, they, <laughs> they're expecting to slip at any moment. Right, trying okay. To, trying to make it look natural, but they, uh, when it's pointed out to you, you know that it fails. <laughs> right, okay. They're discussing the possibility of going back to the derelict and taking the time drive again, because realistically, there's nothing stopping them from doing that. Lister actually wants to use it because they've run out of curry, and he wants to go back in time and order 500 curries. But as we found out from Out of Time, yes, they can go back to any time period they want, but they're not going to move location at all, so there'd have to be a curry spot exactly where they are. <laughs> unless <laughs> unless they go, I don't know, a million years in the future, and all of a sudden there's curry shops on every single planet in existence. It's, they do... They, they seem to mess up... Continu- they're not bothered about continuity between series yeah, with Red yeah. Dwarf, uh, which has been proved time and time before. Yeah. And... Basically, this series, they've come in and they've, they've basically turned around and said that Starbug is now like the TARDIS. It's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Yeah. Because um, that 212% increase in size doesn't affect the exterior of the Starbug. No. <laughs> inside. Uh, I mean, in the past, we've already pointed out the size of the cargo hold. It doesn't seem to look right, you know, for how big we've seen the ship outside. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they seem to give it an, that an explanation in this one, and then we get the, um, the they seem to they seem to combine the um, well we 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 bring it up later, but the they do seem to combine the teleporter with the um, time paddle. Uh, yeah, you know. Um, well, yeah, the time it, paddle as well as. <laughs> yeah, it's it it becomes a you know just a it's it's like having an iPod that also dries your hair. <laughs> Yeah. It's all right. That was <laughs> next to me. They've got the old air dryer. It's the first appliance that sprung to mind. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Crichton suggests that he's going to go offline for 24 hours, I think, and he's going to discard some old cache files. The next scene starts. Lister, he's obviously set his alarm clock and he wakes up and he's off. 
he pops down to see Cryon, who's removing these cache files, and unscrews his head and replaces it with the spare head number two. Now, this is the unscrewing section where he basically unscrews it clockwise, removes the original head, places head number two on, and screws it back in by also going clockwise. Yeah. <laughs> A clever thread that, isn't it? Where um, Crichton's neck socket, where it doesn't matter which direction you screw it in, it'll go off or on, it depend on what you want. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Crichton tells him that he'll need to disable his guilt chip and his behaviour protocols. Well, sorry, Crichton's spare head number two, so he's going to need to do that. He props his head open, kind of like a car bonnet, and pulls this little thing out of the centre and just removes removes the chip. Now, it's, it's funny the way he does that, because it is, like you say, it's a car bonnet, um, you know, with the little, uh, I don't know what you call it, the, the clip that holds the bonnet up. Yeah. But, I mean, Crichton explains to him that, um, yeah, there's a school release catch behind my right ear, and, you know, it, to Lister, it looks as if it's news to him. Yeah. This is the same Lister who rebuilt Crichton in series two and three. You'd think he'd know where the um, school release catch would be, don't you? Unless he only rebuilt the body. Mm, possibly. Yeah. He just reattached a couple of legs. Yeah, exactly. Not exactly rebuilt. <laughs> <laughs> The next scene starts, and all the lads are sat around for breakfast. Crichton's got his groinal attachment out, and he's using it as an egg whisker. Uh, I think, well, Crichton, basically because he's got no behaviour protocols and no guilt chip, he's just kind of doing what he wants, but in the same kind of way, he's become a rebellion. Well, he's rebelling. But he doesn't realise he's rebelling, does he? He just does these things yeah and he's like um lister says oh um yeah we, we were mentioned about going for the curry trip he says oh yeah 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 i've i've had to think about it and yeah let's go and do it <laughs> and then just pulls out like a packet of cigs and starts smoking it's just like crying what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> we see him before and just tucked into his belt don't you it's, yeah uh... but yeah it, this is is this the first time we see his growing old attachment being used i, I know it's mentioned in previous episodes I believe it is, apart from the hoovering. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've seen it where he sucks a penny up. Oh, yes, of course we have, yeah, sorry. So, yeah, we've seen it in use here, but I think it's the first time we've seen the whisk attachment that he uses to stir the coffees, don't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next scene starts, and they're back on the derelict ship which now looks totally different to where it did before. Well, Cat actually calls it the Gemini 12 here. I don't think I don't think we got the vessel's name last season. No, we just got just told it was a derelict, yeah. Yeah, just an unknown um, ship, um, whereas now, yeah, like you say, it's Gemini 12, and it seems to look different as well. Yeah, from the exterior it's, shot, it does look totally different. Well, we'd, we'd said before that it looks like an interesting model, but they only seemed, we only briefly saw it in the last episode, you know, and it, it was almost out of focus. And we, we actually wondered if it was the um, same model from uh, Legion or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this one, it's, uh, it's, it is a total different ship, you know, from what we saw last season. Yeah. The time drive this time now looks like um, very much like the paddle used in uh, the Wax World. Or, or similar to, as you mentioned earlier, similar to the teleporter control. It's just like a, a paddle as opposed to this square box thing that they had before. Yeah, I mean, you can't even claim that they've modified it, you know, that they've actually took the time drive and modified it and done it themselves because it actually shows them pull it out from the Gemini 12 wall as it is, yeah. as a handheld paddle. 
Just just a thought on this, actually. So in their timeline now, apparently X amount of time ago, they went and got the time drive and then blew it up. So it surely it wouldn't be there again. In their timeline, this paddle has been destroyed. No, it says it re- returns them. It, it, they do actually state that it returned them to a point in time where they hadn't actually picked the time drive. Oh, up right. Yet. Okay. Okay. And that's why they were uh, going out of their way not to pick the time paddle at the time drive back up. Right. Because okay. they didn't want the events unfolding that led to them becoming their not very nice future selves. Right. Understood. Lister says, right, let's go back in time to the Taj Mahal behind the GMC building in London. Again, and I know we mentioned this earlier, but this is meant to only be a time drive. This is not meant to be a matter transporter and definitely not get them back to Earth. Yeah. Well, basically, they've, got, they've now got a vessel that's bigger on the inside than on the outside. They can travel through time and space. Yeah. Right. They have. They they are they they are now travelling on the TARDIS, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a green TARDIS. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah I'm just waiting for a metal dog, <laughs> a couple of Daleks <laughs> to come by. Uh, but yeah, we've uh, we've basically now got a comedy spoof show with Doctor Who on his hands. Yeah. <laughs> The next scene starts and there's a reenactment of the JFK assassination, which I I must admit, I thought this was amazing. Well, I mean, they, they, they mention it on the DVD, um, but the scenes were recreated and they went into real detail with it, you, you know, recreating genuine footage from the day. Um, now, originally they showed these recreated scenes in black and white. Yeah. Uh, but they had to change it to colour because it did look too realistic. You know, people oh, right. watching it and they thought they were watching the proper um, footage of the day. Right. Uh, yeah, they, they they really went to town on recreating this. Fantastic. Really, really looks the part, don't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, the shooter, Lee Harvey Oswald, basically you, you see him out of this window, gets two shots off. Um, but he's on the third shot and they kind of, well, beam in and knock him out the window. Well, uh, it's played by uh, Toby Aspin, who they describe him on the commentary as being a mime artist. And uh, I think it shows in some of this scene, you know, when you've got the uh, the wire wrapped around his waist. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it shows there is... Uh, mime artistry would you call it (laughs) his talents as a mime artist yeah Uh, when he's on the windowsill as well uh, as he's walking along um, yeah very harold lloyd um now i've checked his imdb page he appeared in grange hill in 1990 okay um he also appeared in shakedown return of the sultarans in 1994 okay Uh, now apparently i mean i didn't know about any of these this apparently this was a straight to video doctor who spin-off okay uh which i mean obviously this is 94 so you know for legal reasons it didn't actually feature the doctor right he also toby aspin he also played the eighth doctor in 1997 in a short film called the few doctors which was a, a doctor who spoof right uh, I think it featured Doctor, the first Doctor all the way through to the eighth, I think it was. Okay. Um, now, like I say, both of these I've never actually heard of, but I am going to have to go and look into them now. I don't know if it's um, if it's just a, an online fan film that you can see or right, okay. whether there's more to it than that. I'm not sure. Okay. Crichton 
knows that they're in 1963 and it's November the 22nd and they're in Dallas. Again, how the hell have they got there? <laughs> this time drive, as it was pointed out in Out of Time, doesn't move them through space, only through time. So, a little bit strange. I mean, there's one thing with this episode as well. Uh, I know we've had the we've had a previous joke from Crichton about um you know, being able to travel through time. We could go back to Dallas, 1963, stand on a grassy knoll and shout, duck! Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> and I think I, rem- I think I pointed out when we reviewed that episode that um, I, I didn't actually know what I was laughing at there. I laughed because the audience laughed. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. it wasn't until this episode came along that I actually realised that um, the grassy knoll in Dallas in 1963. Oh, it's all to do with the JFK assassination. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was, I sat watching this, and I was I was talking to the. There was something on TV. I can't think what it was now. And JFK got mentioned, and I said something to my daughters. Uh, in daughter says, "Well, who's JFK?" And I actually had to explain to her. Well, you know, in the Red Dwarf episode where there's the president gets shot and then he has to come back in, they went, yeah, I said, that was JFK. And, oh, okay. That was a real person then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, they're, they're learning the history from Red Dwarf. Fantastic. Um, as, as did I, I suppose, to a degree. Yeah, yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald's trying to get back in, but as you mentioned earlier, doing his mime stuff and through a series of unfortunate events, he's knocked out the window and killed. But realistically, if you've got some gunman shooting out the window and then you've got some guy walking along, you know, like the ledge outside the window where the gunshots <laughs> have come from, he'd have been shot or arrested or whatever, wouldn't he? Yeah, I know I know what you mean. Um, although, as we now know, the shots came from the grassy knoll. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, those external shots... Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a post-production that made it look like there was three or more floors. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's actually, uh, it was actually a single story that was done in the car park of the studios. Oh, right, okay. And it was post-production, which made it look as if there was more floors, which I thought was quite cleverly done. Yeah, yeah, it did look very good. The FBI burst in and they tried to arrest the Red Dwarf crew. One <laughs> thing I did mark down here is that you've got normal copper and you've got the FBI guy, and I'm sure he's wearing eyeliner. <laughs> can't say it's unnoticed. <laughs> I just remember seeing it and thinking, right, okay. He looks nice. <laughs> <laughs> Crichton activates the time drive with his foot, and they all kind of disappear uh, by jumping for some reason. <laughs> and he activates the time drive with his foot, kind of like they did in um, Waxworld. Yes, yeah. Again, it looks like that device. Also, when the cops are shooting at where they've just left from, they're shooting at some cardboard boxes, and there's no bullets whatsoever going into these cardboard boxes, so they must have been shooting blank. Yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from there. Uh, you would have hoped that something would have been destroyed or blown up. Well, not blown up, but you know what I mean. If, if you shoot at a cardboard box, it's going to disintegrate yeah, in front of you. Yeah, you expect to see confetti come out of a box. Yeah, exactly, yeah. The lads land exactly the same place, but three years in the future. The next scene starts, and they're walking down the street again, three years in the future. Everybody's fled. There's just mayhem. It looks like there's been a mass riot, and everybody's just disappeared. They find a guy on the pavement, and basically the cat's trying to use his um, cat sense, and, well, he gets absolutely everything wrong about him. Well, the... There's something here that I'd, I'd never actually noticed before uh, until I listened to the Dwarf cast. Okay. And they pointed it out. You've got all the distinctive cars. Yeah. Um, 
lining the street that make it look like 60s Dallas. Yeah. Now, one of them is a bright purple, very distinctive-looking car. Yeah. And as they're walking past this car, the camera sort of fades out and then fades back in again. Yeah. All right, which is an effect done basically to show a passage of time. Okay, yeah. Uh, and that's when they come across the body. Yeah. Right. Now, as it fades back in again, it fades out as they are passing say the driver's door of this purple distinctive car yeah it fades back in again as they are passing the bonnet of this distinctive <laughs> yeah, right. car okay. uh, so yeah it's it's um if they'd have just moved that car out of the way it would have looked like a decent passage of time had gone by that they'd walked down the road a length of time right. as it is it looks like there's about two seconds missing right okay <laughs> i mean to be honest i didn't even notice it uh, you, you will do every time you watch this episode in future from now on. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Crichton picks up a paper and does like a quick read. Then he plays it back on his chest monitor, he calls it, even though it's, well, the monitor in his stomach. Basically what Crichton says is due to Kennedy living, he ended up in prison after three years, which meant that J. Edgar Hoover got put in charge, who was in the pocket of a mafia boss which resulted in the USSR installing a nuclear base in Cuba. So basically everything's just gone to shit because he didn't die. They tried to go back to Starbuck, but Starbuck wasn't there and they were stranded. But then I thought, if Starbuck doesn't exist and if the USSR won the space race, that means they wouldn't have been there in the first place, so they wouldn't have been able to cause this mess to then end up in the... Well, you, you, you can see where I'm coming from. <laughs> Embrace the paradox. <laughs> we've, the not, we've not said it for a long while. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, this, this episode is just full of paradoxes. I mean, if we go on the go on the uh, a different parallel universe because of each event that they do, then fair enough. That's how I tend to try and think of things now, that everything existed pre-paradox this paradox is actually a parallel timeline almost yeah yeah you know but when i try and explain that it never comes out right so i'm not going to (laughs) bother what does it blow up your camera (laughs) pretty much yeah (laughs) Yeah. i lose interest halfway through (laughs) there's a paradox (laughs) yeah that's it um lister fesses up about the guilt chip and well everybody's kind of annoyed with him the time drive is frozen, so they're going to set up camp and try and just... Oh, I'm not sure why it's frozen. Shouldn't it just, just not work at all, or... Um, well, I, I don't know. I don't know. I know don't you say? It's just been... It, it, it does actually say, don't I, it? I've yeah. just been jabbing it Rimmer, too much. <laughs> yeah, Rimmer goes on to uh, perhaps the such-and-such Spondulics is uh, crash it. It basically goes into a technical thing as... No, I've just been jabbing the buttons too hard. Crichton basically says, <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like, oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the next scene starts, and they're all sat around a campfire discussing JFK and what a good man he was, what a bad man he was, and everybody's different opinion on him. Do you think it's weird that Rimmer likes JFK? Yeah, because he... All right, he's not... Uh, Rimmer's into his dictators and what have you. Uh, JFK is... Um, he was quite a liberal-thinking bloke. He was um, successful with the ladies, both inside and outside of his marriage. Yeah. Uh, and it just strikes me as the sort of person Rimmer would absolutely loathe and despise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I totally agree with you. But, yeah, he sits here with the others saying how great he is. Yeah. Or was. Was. (laughs) 
they sat around and they're all eating chicken and they, <laughs> they kind of saying that sat there giving it mm, it's really good chicken and Graham turns around and says that's that's not chicken sir he says well what is it he says well it's um, it's a cow we found <laughs> And on this, uh, I thought it was brilliant. And the look on Rimmer's face, he, he went from quite sad and morbid to a little smile and said, one minute you're down, the next you're right back up again. <laughs> it's, it is one of the, um, it's one of the classic jokes from Red Dwarf, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's always raises a smile whenever you see this bit. Yeah. And like you say, the look on Rimmer's face, uh, it's just the size of this meat, slab of meat in um, cat's hands. It's you know, it's a good thigh size, it. isn't it? Right, isn't it? Yeah. it? It'd be a, it'd be a bit big if it were Velociraptor they were eating, let alone chicken. You know, it's uh, it's pretty obvious what it is. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't figure it out until uh, Crichton owns up to it. Yeah. <laughs> the time drive comes back online, and they're going to go and basically fix everything again and get out of there. The next scene starts and it's assassination time again. As we mentioned in the synopsis all very early on, they're playing cards in the fifth floor, the ones which they zoomed in previous. Um, Oswald comes in and says, no, um, uh, I can't remember what they said, but basically, no, you can't come in on this floor. So he, he disappears and goes up to the sixth. He makes the shot but misses totally. Um, the trajectory, it just throws it off. So they move out of the way and head down to the fourth floor. Well, they head down to the fourth before the previous selves teleported That's to right, the fifth yeah. floor, where Oswald was originally supposed to take the shots from. That's right, yeah. And then, like you say, Oswald misses, and they think, well, we can't send him down to the fourth because we're here. He can't use the fifth because our previous selves are there. He misses from the sixth, and so basically they realise that they need another plan. Yeah, <laughs> which is, let's have a second good man behind the grassy knoll. <laughs> which, again, genius. I mean, there's one thing about this episode. I thought the writing behind this was very, very good. Yes, yeah. And and the whole idea behind it was genius. The next scene starts, and they teleport to Idlewild Airport in July 65. Lister teleports into the police van with JFK and basically explains what he's going to do. Yeah, I've got a strange story. Yeah. Um, strange tale. Uh, well, JFK is uh, played by Michael Shannon. Okay. And he's got, got quite a lengthy uh, IMDb list. Okay. Um, everything from playing a president's aide in Superman 2. Yeah. Um, he did three episodes of Wonder Woman in 1978 and 1979. Okay. Um, as well as appearing in uh, Little Shop of Horrors, uh, The A-Team, Boone. You know, he's, oh, wow. uh, yeah, got about a bit, got about a bit. Um, Lister explains to him that, well, he tells him of Lister's future and and basically what an icon he becomes if he dies. I mean, he's, yeah, I suppose it's quite a hard choice for him that knowing that either A, he can go to prison or B, he can kill himself just to restore his historical figure, I guess. I, yeah. I'm not sure it's a, it's a decision I'd like to make. I, I'd probably be quite selfish with it. I'd be going, no, I'm going to prison, mate. <laughs> <laughs> So JFK is going to assassinate himself. The next scene starts and it's assassination time again. They're all dressed up uh, for some reason. JFK is a cop, Crichton is a cop. 
The cat Lister are smartly dressed and Rimmer looks like an absolute tramp. Well, um, according to the commentary and... I think it was IMDb. Um, Cat, Lister, and Rimmer are all supposed to be tramps. Okay. Um, I mean, I thought the same as you. I thought all oh, two of them are smartly dressed. Yeah. Um, and Rimmer looks uh, more like uh, Dwin. Uh, sorry, uh, not Dwin. Um, Doyle. Billy Doyle. Name? Yeah. Sebastian Doyle. Billy Doyle. Yeah. That's it. But no, apparently all three of them are supposed to be tramps. Um, from what I can gather, from what they say on the commentary, they uh, they had all um, books about JFK on set. Okay. You know, that came up with um, eyewitness reports and uh, lots of conspiracy theories and stuff like that. And apparently there were three tramps that were reported to have been found behind the grassy knoll when police searched. Okay. Um, and it was this, I think this was on IMDb. I'm sure it was on Wiki, but I've wrote down IMDb on right, the notes. Okay. So if you can't find it on one, it'll be on the other. Yeah. And apparently it was never established who they were and where they went after police had quizzed them. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's. Um, I suppose really, what they've done is they've just incorporated a true event and made it fit in with um, what takes place here, which is is very very clever. Yeah, I think. yeah, agreed. JFK takes a shot and kills himself. He thanks the guys for restoring his self and uh, walks off and just kind of fades away. They're all stood in front of a fence and Lister says, "Oh, Smeg, I forgot to ask him if there are any curry houses in Dallas." And in a very, very comedy slapstick way, they all kind of turn to him and hit him with truncheons and jump up and down and stuff like that. And just kind of beat him up. It's the sort of beating you'd never survive in a million years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Like you say, it's done in a comedy uh, slapstick way. And uh, as we know, this was the original ending for the aired episode. Yeah, yeah. You know, before what we get to see now yeah so for those of you who haven't seen the extended this is all going to be new for you the next scene starts and it's three weeks later Rimmer and Crichton are kind of walking down the hallway and Rimmer has like a baseball glove on he gets Crichton to stick his fingers in the main mains unit um, enough to, so he electrocutes him and his eyes pop out which Rimmer then catches them in this baseball glove now, they're actually using Rimmer as a voltmeter, um, which I just found was really, really bizarre. Well, I've, I've wrote down here that I actually found this dreadfully unfunny. Agreed. And it just it seems as if it's a very rushed, uh, last-minute gag. Oh, do this, blah, blah, blah. And they've not really got looked into the comedy timing of it. or uh, It just it, it doesn't work for me. It's just not funny agreed, at all. Agreed, agreed. I mean, you get Lister then that comes in and says that there's no curry debris and there was nothing destroyed in the blast. So he suggests that he comes from the future and actually takes their curry. So what he does, he actually goes back in time, steals all the curry supplies and takes it to the present. Which, Which is crap logic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because if he's going to steal it off himself, well, why would there he There wasn't any debris, so I must have stole it myself. Well, you'd have left yourself a note, surely. Yeah, so he goes back in time and steals his own curry. Um, must have been exactly at the point of when it got blown up. So he's in the cargo bay, and, well, this not the same cargo bay as what we saw before, but just another cargo hold. And it, all of a sudden, the curry and the lager comes beaming in with, with Lister. Lister suggests here that they use a time drive and go back to their own time. Um, Rimmer explains no because of the damage that they did in 1963 and how dangerous it would be. Rimmer then says 
what's this thing for? Basically pointing at the old, what we believe to be the time drive. So in the end of um, Out of Time, and also during Out of Time, when they were mentioned in the time drive, yeah, the, the, <laughs> this was the time drive they were referring to, which I guess kind of um, hangs a lantern on the what we mentioned earlier. Is that what it is? Mm. See, I never picked up on that. I just thought it was a big giant switch on the wall, and he just, you know, that he just says, you know, I've always wondered what this thing is actually for, you know, and walks off. Well, I mean, this was only my assumption. I mean, uh, I'll discuss it later, but um, I wrote these notes at five o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> that's fair enough. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure I recognise that as what we'd seen in the time driving out of time, which I, I thought it was uh, said just, um, oh, I wonder what that was, as if it was never the time drive anyway. But I, I don't know. I don't know. You, you'll have to have a look for yourself and see what you think. Anyway, uh, the they go walking out, they pull the switch, and it actually decouples the back end of Starbug. Which is, like we said earlier, it's similar to the... Um, the next generation saucer separation. Yeah, yeah, but without yeah, all the drama. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, well, I don't know. There's some bloody clamps that go undoing before it actually separates itself. Well, it's the same clamps um, over and over again. Well, the thing but... is, we we, then, we now get to see that Lister is in the... Uh, it's basically in the arse end of Starbug. Yeah, yeah. All right, now, we've already seen that the arse end of Starbug is now big enough to incorporate wind tunnel-sized warehouses. Yeah. You know, a 212% increase. Yeah, he's in this poxy little room, which seems to be the main section of the uh, yeah. back end of Star. Maybe um, that's just like the entrance corridor to the big warehouse. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Yeah. The final scene starts and Lister says, stuck in deep space, three million years from home, no girl and only this curry. And then he's got a big smile on his face because he's surrounded by a hell of a lot of curry. And then away he goes. He starts eating. Just tucks in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, they say on the commentary, it is actually proper curry as well. Oh, right. Um, you know, uh, Craig Charles was actually tucking into big, massive trays of proper Indian curry. Uh, I mean, technically, he says here that he's, he's stuck, no girl, blah, 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 only the curry for company. Yeah. Um, he isn't stuck uh, in this back end either. Uh, both Crichton and Rimmer leave this back end without the time drive in, his, in their hands. Yeah. So basically, in that room, he has still got the time drive, teleporter, whatever you want to call it. So yeah. he's not stuck there. Um, now, the new ending wasn't filmed at the time of filming Series 7. It was filmed after they'd finished Series 7. Okay. And it was done especially for the extended video right, that got okay. released. And I don't know yourself, I... You know, I'd caught up on all this, you know, all the way up to series six on VHS yeah, uh, yeah. by the time this series aired. And so I'm sat waiting for series seven to come out on VHS so I can buy it. And yeah. the extended video came out before the bite one and bite two and what have you of series seven. Yeah. And yeah. I think it was a bite three as well, wasn't it, if I remember rightly? The will have been, yeah. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, we we were left. We, we ended up, I ended up buying the extended. It weren't until years later that I found out that the... I thought it was extended, as in it's just an extra tape. I didn't realise these episodes were that much longer <laughs> until I <laughs> okay. watched it. So, I mean, it's quite good that we've got on this DVD, you get the choice when you select to watch Ticket to Ride, you can watch either the extended 
or the remastered or the both extended and remastered yeah, or, or you can watch the originally aired episode so there's yeah. four versions of this one episode you can actually sit and watch yeah right the scores based on the fact that we're reviewing this actual episode so Tika's arrived but the extended and remastered version for me it was missing the laughter track I mean I I the the originally aired version I was quite happy with and I thought it was a very good story and I thought it was the JFK was brilliant and the storyline and the original episode I would score a lot higher this was missing the laughter tract um, the new ending as well I just didn't gel with at all um, so for that I'm only giving this this particular version 6 out of 10 uh, what about you Anthony? Yeah, well you know, I had fond memories of this episode, yeah. right, and was expecting to be scoring it round about 9 out of 10. Yeah, I've yeah. been looking forward to reviewing Series 7 right from when we started, Yeah, because I'm not a, you know, I didn't consider myself a Series 7 hater, and I knew that I was going to score this episode highly, and there's other episodes in this series that uh, I know I like. Yeah. Uh, however, I've sat and watched it and I've changed my mind on sitting and viewing it. Um, some of the extra scenes are really funny. Uh, yeah, some of yeah. them are bloody awful. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially this new ending. It's, you know, turn it off at the point where Lister's getting beat up against the fence. Just turn it off. Yeah, it, yeah, it agreed. Work after that. Um, the exposition at the beginning, the, you know, the explanation for the previous um, series, for not, you know, cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, I was happy at the time to have new Red Dwarf, but to explain that a future self can't kill themselves in the past, right? And then do this episode, which is all about a future version of JFK coming back in time and killing himself. Yeah, yeah. As an explanation to make things right, it just doesn't work. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think overall, I just didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I was going to. Yeah. Um, now the lack of a laughter track doesn't. I'm not that fussed one way or the other, you know, uh, I, I can watch it with, I can watch it without, it doesn't bother me so much now. Um, but I think I prefer the original aired version of this episode. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, especially with the ending. Yeah. Uh, now, I was going to come in with 6 out of 10, but I thought, well, every week I seem to do the same score as you. Right. So I've gone <laughs> okay. with 7 out of 10. It's, uh, it's lost a couple of points on me just through not making sense and... Uh, yeah, just, just not being funny, not making sense, and um, it doesn't quite work, you know, story-wise. Yeah, agreed. Well, let's, um, again, we've both basically scores on the extended remastered version. We had a couple of people on the forum actually contribute towards the score. There was three eights on there, and I'm assuming one was Lizetta, I'm assuming one was Parallel Universe, and one other. So whoever you are, please own up. Um, <laughs> it's not a witch hunt just let us know um, and we'll give you a mention on the next episode but based on all those scores um, at least it gives us a little bit more variety um, it's gone from what we would have potentially given it 65% to 74% which I think gives it a nice well a, a lot nicer number so we've got five five votes all together then yeah. a six a seven and three forum members have come in at eight out of ten yeah exactly yeah that's fair enough it's um, I, I tell you what that I, th I think if we'd have just watched the aired episode, I would have probably scored it a bit higher. Um, ag I think I'd have enjoyed it better. I think the the ending sort of just left a sour taste in the mouth. 
Yeah, agreed. Uh, probably if it had been the original aired version, I'd have been probably looking maybe a seven, maybe an eight. Yeah, yeah. Right, the next section is what's going down in Groovestown after a quick advertisement from Different Point of View podcast. My lord, the war goes well, but rebel propaganda is convincing more and more systems to join the Alliance. If this continues, we could have a problem. I believe it is time to unleash the Emperor's secret weapon. Communications officer. Comms are open, my lord. Command to TD-0013. Meanwhile on Tatooine. I'm telling you, babe. If you got a can opener, I got the time. Trust me. Once you pop the top, you can't stop. <laughs> Command to TD-0013. Your empire needs you. God damn it. What now? A different point of view. The Star Wars saga through the eyes of a stormtrooper. For all things TD-0013, go to www.adpov.net. Don't be fooled by imitations and clones. This is the only point of view you need. Alright dudes, what's going down in Groovetown then? Groovetown? We've had an email from Fee, um, who we've mentioned many times before. She's a good forum member, she's a men- member of the Fiction Shed, and does the eccentric cast in the eccentric Who. She sent us a nice long explanation of... Uh, we, we mentioned on the last episode about um, Crichton erecting a status field around the um, the sleeping pods. And we were like, well, how can he do that? I'm not going to go into great detail, but fee does for us so if you want to have a look at the show notes she'll explain what state the booths were in at what point and why Anthony, you've just got a few things to mention my google alerts picked up the other day that um there's a competition taking place called britain's got biking talent okay um uh, which it, it looks to me as if it's going to be um I, I don't know if it's judging the bikes or the bikers themselves or what it is that's actually taking place but okay We've got some judges that are, um, uh, I'm sure there's a story on the official website for it, but basically they've, um, there's Charlie Borman, who obviously went around the world with Ewan McGregor in Long yeah, Way Round, yeah. and Danny John Jules is one of the judges um, for judging either these bikes or these bikers. I'm not sure exactly what it is um, that they're, they're taking place here. Okay. Um, but yeah, these, uh, I'm sure that story will appear uh, if it hasn't already done so on the official website. Uh, the only other thing that I've seen is that now every single episode of um, Red Dwarf is now available on the Zune. So oh, okay. uh, those of you that are using the Zune, yeah, um, yeah. all eight series plus Back to Earth specials are available to download uh, via the Zune. Fantastic. Do you know if that's in the UK? Because you can get to Zune via the Xbox. Um, I think it's uh, USA and Canada. I'm not sure. Right, okay. I think, I think it is just USA and Canada. Right, cool. Welcome to the Parrot Spa. The place you can drink a curry-flavoured tequila slammer that burns on the way in and on the way out. Parrot Spa, really, really, to be honest eventful and very out of character for me week uh, well two weeks really i'll i'll try and keep it short because it goes on forever but as mentioned before um we did 
well, uh, we were going camping and we did exactly that. Oh, apologies for my deep voice. Um, this is, I don't know where the hell it's come from. I don't have a cold or anything. I've just got this deep voice. I can only... Got an trapped in his throat. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I've had thoughts about thinking, oh God, where is it? But I woke up with this voice on Friday morning and I've got no sore throat or anything. Uh, I'm just like, why? Is it because I've been camping now? I've actually become a man. <laughs> it's because you've been gargling bull sperm. Sorry. <laughs> How do you that go camping? No, that wasn't no cow you got for your golf <laughs> Um But we went up to Rip and we went up to the campsite and it was an absolute blast. I mean, there was um, me and my brother and sister and partners and uh, another mate and partner. And we, this little campsite, it probably housed like 30 pitchers. And um, it's all, you know, proper respectable people's outside with their papers and, you know, the sandals and socks and that kind of thing. And what you've got, for some reason, they put us bang in the middle of them all, which I just thought the placement was bizarre. We, we couldn't well, have been... What, what I noticed with the picture I saw of your tent is that they yeah. put your bang right outside of the toilet block well that's the thing so everybody <laughs> they probably watch. figured they're going to be drinking they're young they're going to be drinking all night and uh, coming back in the state and they're going to be wanting to go to the toilet all night put them near the toilet so they haven't got to disturb anybody else <laughs> trip over guidelines and things like that <laughs> well maybe i mean the thing is um and um, the guy let us have a fire so we had a fire in the middle and it was just going like for two nights. Which Except is... fight how many tents? <laughs> well, none. I mean, he just said to us, whatever you do, don't burn the gas. Uh, don't burn the grass. So we're like, oh, yeah, okay, we'll burn the grass. And my brother brought this little furnace thing to keep it all off the grass, if you know what I mean. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Um, so we did that, and we had the little fire, and we were up getting pissed, and um, we just we just trashed the place to be honest I mean we tied up after itself on the following morning but um, I mean it rained a couple of times and everything like that the thing is we've been very careful not to burn the grass and one of the lads he brought out one of those um, you know the little tray instant barbecues <laughs> so we had one of those through like a match night and he put it on the fire uh, sorry he put it on the floor so we woke up the following morning he moved the tray out of the way and there's a perfect squared shaped burn on the grass so we're like ah oh, bollocks <laughs> Yeah. Um, so we ended up um, kind of doing a grass transplant, which <laughs> picking up grass, clumps of grass, and like dropping it on top. So just to anybody that was walking past, just as long as it wasn't windy and didn't blow the grass away, <laughs> it was like you, you mean just handfuls of blades of yeah, grass yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to be you honest, think about moving your tent over the top of it. <laughs> well, the thing is, I mean, um, we could only go for two. Um, well, they don't let us book for two nights. Won't let us just book for the one. And we couldn't make it on the Friday night because um, I wasn't calling everything. So me and Christine were booked in for two nights and we were going to do Saturday, Sunday because we had last week off. Um, but to be honest, when everybody else is starting to pack up and we're thinking, uh, I mean, it was like we could hear everybody at six o'clock in the morning walking past and just like tutting and pointing at our little campsites and oh, look at the state. <laughs> I mean, I, when we came out, there were like bottles and beer cans and everything all over the floor and it did look an absolute tip. Um, but we thought that there's no way we're going to spend the entire day Sunday apologising for everybody else. <laughs> so we packed up and came home. Um, no respect. No respect. <laughs> well, we cleaned up after <laughs> ourselves. Um, one thing was, though, I mean, it was. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to name this campsite or anything, um, but the guy was an absolute arse. Uh, now, granted, looking back now... You should have put the toilets down then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I should. But basically, about um, about 10 o'clock, my brother had run out of cigs, so we're like, right, I'll, well, I'll come up to the pub with you. 
Um, I walked up with a bottle of Bexy, and it got cold by that time, so I had some tracky bottoms on, and I had like a hoodie top. So I mean, you can you can visualize it, man walking up campsite half drunk in tracksuit, in hoodie, with a bottle of Bex in his hand. Uh, walked into the pub. My brother's there, one of those plastic glasses full of whatever he had in it. <laughs> And we're just using the SIG machine. He's like, oh, you, you, you can't drink that in here. You get out. I said, oh, yeah, okay. We're just getting some SIGs and then we're out. And, and he physically pushed us both out of the pub. <laughs> I just thought, you, well, I, I can't mention it. Family friendly and all that. But um, we, we were annoyed at him. Um, we didn't do anything. Um, the thing is, buying cigarettes from the cigarette machine and how much they charge, that's surely... It was six pound twenty. You was paying for a packet, I think. Yeah, for about sixteen, you get in them normally. Fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, I mean the thing is, I mean the owner came in. And he says, uh, "We says right, we're just getting these and then we'll be out." And he's like, "All right, yeah, okay, just make sure you do." I mean, to be honest, when my brother were at the zig machine, I popped my head around the corner, and what you've got is like candlelit meals all going on. <laughs> all the rest of it's very like <laughs> upper class and everything. And we walk in. <laughs> was everybody wearing tux? <laughs> not quite tux but you know everybody was all smart and stuff and you've got us two walking in, in track suits and uh, stinking of smoke and all bleary eyed and everything I just thought what the hell but yeah there's just this jumped up little person just pushed us out of the pub in the little anyway um, so we came home and uh, we decided because we were going to go camping two nights we, we actually pitched the tent up in the back garden for it to air and dry off and we thought ow oh, why don't we just carry on camping in the back garden? So <laughs> we did exactly that. Uh, Kipped it on Monday night. Uh, sorry, Sunday Joking. night. <laughs> what, I'm back at home? Yeah. <laughs> well, we bought all the stuff, you see. So, I mean, in the normal um, sledgehammer to crack a walnut approach, we bought like all the, everything you can think of that you would ever need for camping, we bought. You know, like the fold-up table and chairs and just everything. So we thought we'd put them all to use and eat, eat all the food that we bought and everything like that. So we just carried, kind of carried on at home. I mean, we were, well, we were on holiday, so it didn't really matter. If we got a crap night's sleep, then it didn't really matter. Tuesday, our lass had got one of those uh, rally days. You, you know, you, you get the day adventures, the day outs, wherever. And she got it for Christmas. Uh, so we went down to uh, a rally day down in, um, it's down towards Oxford. Yeah. Which was really good. I mean, I, I was jealous as hell all day. There's, she's just been taught how to handbrake turn and power slide these little pumas and stuff and I'm like oh <laughs> but we turned up and there's these two young lasses uh, uh well when I say young probably like um late teens early 20s neither of them over five foot tall and just looked so sheepish they kind of walked in and said do you, do, you, do you know what happens here <laughs> it's like somebody's obviously bought on these these uh, days rallying as a joke or something <laughs> and they had no idea what they were going to be doing for the day <laughs> driving fast through trees uh, no <laughs> yeah the, I mean but they look so timid it was it was bizarre but yeah and then finally um, we we bought a three man tent um, I didn't take your advice on waterproofing the tent but luckily we didn't need to <laughs> however <laughs> with only having a three man tent what we found is we were living out of the car as you would do um, um, How many of you is there? Two of you? Yeah, in a three-man tent. Took too much, you've took too much stuff there. Well, yeah. We, well, as I said, we bought everything that we need to go camping. <laughs> so we had the boot and the back seats full, and we were living out of the car and stuff. So we we thought... I mean, we had the like little um, canopy porch thing at the front to put stuff in, but it just wasn't big enough. Is this, where, is this when you sent me the message that you was... Um 
you're sat watching TV via the laptop with a can in your hand and a cargo's <laughs> heater blowing on your feet. <laughs> well, th- this is the thing. So the three-man tent wasn't big enough, so we went to uh, go outdoors and went and bought one of their big um, five-man tents. Um, but this five-man tent has got it's got your sleeping quarters at the back and then you've got a massive living area at the front. I mean, this thing is four meters. Garage on the side, it's got. Yeah. <laughs> well, this thing's four meters by five meters. Um, you've got one living area, which we put, um, we went and got a double, uh, sorry, a king size airbed and got that in there. And then we used another one of the sleeping quarters to store all the stuff and we could still open out table, chairs and uh, everything in the front. So we thought, right, well, we've got this. We need to go and try it somewhere. So I did the geek thing and looked on Google Maps and um, zoomed out and zoomed out and zoomed out until I could see some blue. And the nearest blue that I could see was uh, Kings Lynn. So I'm like, right, we'll go there. <laughs> We're on holiday. Um, so I thought, well, just up the road, Skegness and that. So we'll, I'll try and get booked in at Skegness. And after about two hours worth of ringing around campsites, uh, everybody was full. So I just went, right, right, Kings Lynn will do. It's just down the road. So... That's what we did. We headed to Kings Lynn and uh, we stayed there Friday and Saturday night. Um, this is probably where the voices come from. <laughs> but yeah, the site was gorgeous. Um, it was a really nice site, really flat. Um, it absolutely pissed it down on Friday. So we're trying to put the tent up, a tent that we've never even put up before um, <laughs> in the pouring down rain. Um, my waterproofs were waterproof only for a set amount of time and then they just soaked all the way through. Um, but the worst thing is, I mean, with, with this tent, is it had a fault on it. Um, you know how you've got the um, the ring and pins um, for putting the pegs in? Right. Well, I put, the, I put the, for the back two in and then a guide rope and everything. It's all windy and stuff, trying to keep it up. Uh, went to put the front one in. Uh, there was a ring and pin missing from the front end. I'm like, oh, right, <laughs> this is not what I need. Um, I think when it was in the factory, I mean, this obviously hadn't been tested or anything like that but um it had just the normal like the d-type clip for putting a peg in uh, where the ring and pin should have been so i'm like always always put your tent up before you go away make I'm, sure you've got everything <laughs> right now to be honest long story short i stabbed it into the ground and we got on with it and i came back and took the tent back to go outdoors yesterday and they just switched it straight over for me and that tent is currently out in the back garden <laughs> now it's all set up um i've waterproofed it all because as i said it, it absolutely bricked it down um, and it developed like a little puddle on the roof and which was slowly dripping in. So as you can imagine, the first <laughs> night was horrible. There was water dripping in. We hadn't even sussed out how to do the overlapping thing at the front, so all the water was pouring at the front. It was just horrible the first night. Um, to add to that, I mean, we were bang on the A47, um, which is a main road out of Kings Lynn, and we were far <laughs> too close to it. So like five, six o'clock in the morning, the traffic started going past and we were just wide awake. It's just like, oh God, we very <laughs> nearly came home. But yeah, uh, well, we survived through it. Um, we went to um, Hun- Hunstanton. I think it's called Hunstanton um, on on Saturday. And we sussed out how to do the 2P machines and <laughs> went and cleaned up. <laughs> we f- we saw these couple of guys walking around and what they were doing, they were just getting like buckets full of 2Ps. You like change a quid for for obviously 52 peas and they were just throwing them in as fast as possible uh, I, yeah. I've always like put them down and let them move up and put them down but I think what they were doing they were creating like a, a, a wall of two peas which we just kept pushing everything uh, so we tried this ourselves and we did it um, granted we went through six quids worth of two peas 
Um, but we probably came out of there with a good like quid worth of crap, <laughs> you know, little squeaky toys that fall off and everything. Little key fob, car key fob. Yeah, little <laughs> exactly little car key fobs, um, little um, Shrek characters, Rubik's cubes, all that kind of Mac- stuff. Micro machines, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we could have gone seriously. We could have gone to a warehouse or like Poundland or something and picked a bag of these up for a quid. But it, it's it's the it's the accomplishment. It's the taking part that counts. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Plus we had, uh, <laughs> yeah, we had loads of fun. We were just sat there, like throwing this in. You've got little kids stood next to us, like putting two peen at a time. <laughs> we're like throwing three at a time, <laughs> getting really giddy about it. But yeah, uh, we enjoyed it so much. We've actually booked for, um, I think it's Southport um, Airshow on the seventeenth of September. Um, again, my brother's like, "Oh, we should go camping again. Let's let's go here." <laughs> so there's the exactly same crowd that went up to rip and um, going to a, an airshow. Uh, so that, that I'm not sure how long we're going to last up there, but that's going to be interesting. It'll not be long. You'll be banned all together. <laughs> I know. I know. We'll, we'll be getting a black mark against his name. I'm sure we will, because it, it seems quite a tight knit community. <laughs> <laughs> we just won't be able to it's camp you anyway. get there and you recognise your neighbours and they go oh god <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly <coughs> um, and, well that's that's as you can see a very eventful two weeks off uh, well, yeah. not two weeks off well, I've, but... been, I've been back on my TV and what have you again okay um, I've been catching up on my TV the one that's really stood out for me that I wanted to tell you about was the uh, Richard Donner cult of Superman 2 okay now, Richard Donner, um, I heard about this cut on, I think it was the Black Dog podcast, although it might have been Creeping with Armstrong. Right. Uh, never thought too much about it. Oh, I wouldn't mind seeing that, and then forgot about it. And then um, Meds from Waffle On, he mentioned it on Facebook. Right, I thought, okay. oh, I really should actually see this. We had a bit of a brief conversation about it. Yeah. Um, basically, Richard Donner is the original um, director of Superman. Okay. And he wrote the script for Superman 2. Right. Um, he promptly, uh, they, they got rid of him after he'd written this script and shot, mo- shot a large part of the original film and they brought Richard Lester in. Right, okay. And um, basically what you've got is um, this Richard Donnacott came out in 2006 as a re-edit. Okay. Um, now it doesn't fit in perfectly with the first film and the third film. Right, okay. Uh, the time travel, you know, the um, rewinding time. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, according to this Superman 2 version, that did not take place in the original movie. Okay. You know, it doesn't quite follow on. But as far as films go, to actually see his concept, right, yeah. it is a lot, lot better. Right? Okay. Um, now, if you remember Superman 2, you've got... Um, you know, Superman uh, gives up his powers, becomes Clark Kent after having yeah. a conversation with his mother. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, from the crystals and what have you. Right. It doesn't see his mother in the crystals. It's Marlon Brando, and it's all originally shot at the time, Marlon Brando. And basically, what we get is um, it comes at a price. Ah, okay. Yeah. Right. Now, one thing that always irritated me slightly with Superman Two is the fact that. He gives his powers up, and his mum explains that once you give these up, there's no going back. Yeah, yeah, and then he gets them back at the end. Oh, yeah, 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 I've got, we have gone back, and and he's got them stupid uh, plastic Superman logos that he starts throwing at everyone, and yeah, yeah, like little kites. Right, there's none of that in this, and it does come at a price. There is something that he loses, um, you know, because of. 
because of giving his powers up and then wanting his powers back again. Okay. And to me, it's just so much, so much better. I sat there watching it, and it's something like... Um, I, I can't remember the exact details now. I think it's... Yeah, I found it here on the... Um, Wikipedia, 83% of the footage in the film is Rich Donner's footage. Oh, okay. Right, so some of it's what was shot originally at the time. Lots of it is extra scenes. Um, some of the footage that they've got is not actually... Um, it was more... It was filmed for location shots, but, you know, which was never used. Right, and okay. So they, um, they use these rough shots, you know, what have you. But it really, really is worth checking out, the Richard Donnacle of Superman 2, right, uh, just okay. to see how different it could have been. Uh, yeah, essentially, yeah. What, you, what you've got, essentially, is the same film, but um, just seems to make more sense than there. I, I really do prefer this cut. Like I say, it, you know, continuity-wise, it doesn't fit in with Superman 1 or Superman 3. Yeah, um, yeah. But I would have liked to have seen this version and Superman 1 cut properly with this Superman 2 and then to have seen where it went from there. It's, uh, yeah. it's a shame, um, shame what they did with uh, Richard Donner about this. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was it. Um I've, I finally got around getting an Xbox. Fantastic. Uh, the new... Basically, we... Uh, I've mentioned it before, but I don't know if it ever found its way onto the uh, podcast. Um, my in-laws had a break-in. Their next-door neighbours broke into their house and stole TV and a couple of things, bits and bobs, some jewellery. Yeah. Uh, amongst the things they'd stolen was my PSP, which my daughters had just happened to leave there that weekend. Yeah. Uh, um so basically the insurance the money from the insurance company um the the money covers the PSP the memory card and the Tekken game right okay i've took the cash for that right it's only cost me another 30 pound plus that insurance money Sweet. Right, and we've managed to pick up the new Xbox a spare controller and three games fantastic um, so, yeah, it, it can't grumble at that, can you? No, not at all. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have time to go on it very often, but <laughs> it's there if I do want to. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it almost done me a favour. but uh, Cool. How are you finding it? It's, it's not, but I've, I've not been on it much. Uh, the three games I've got, I've got um, Gears of War 2, okay. which uh, I've only quickly put it on and I thought it's going to take some getting used to the controls especially yeah, yeah, because sure. you know I've been, last, I've been PlayStation last couple of um, devices you know yeah, PlayStation yeah. 2 was my last one um, I've got Project Gotham Racing okay. which I've only put on arcade mode I've not really gone into it properly yet yeah and Fable 2 which I put on last night and that looks like my sort of game. You see, the problem I've got with Gears of War is it's um, it's it's an aiming game. You have to aim at the enemy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I always prefer uh, an auto aim function. You know, like Tomb Raider always was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she'd automatically lock on to the enemy, and then you'd run and jump around whilst firing. Yeah. Yeah. Like your girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Fable Two, I think, might be more my sort of game. You know, when you use a projectile. Uh, weapon, you know, crossbow or something, it automatically targets and you just push the button to fire and it's more about the adventure and the problem solving than the actual um, you know, str aiming and shooting and what have you. Yeah, I'm sure I'll yeah. be alright once I get used to it, but um, yeah, that's where I am so far. Right. Um, but it, I mean, as, as far as the games package goes, those three games were a tenner 
Um, That's not bad at all, uh, is it? Excellent. Well, um, we'll speak after we finish recording. I'll get your thingy ID off you. Yeah. This week's podcast of the week, as you heard earlier, is a different point of view podcast. Over to you, Anthony. Yeah, it's uh, this is one I came across a long while ago, quite quite a while ago. Um, yeah. And uh, basically, it's it's a, it's a Star Wars. Uh, I think it's classed as a book, uh, although it's little short episodes. Um, what you've basically got is the comedy account of Stormtrooper TK. Zero zero thirteen, right? Okay, um, and he basically gives us the listener a stormtrooper's view, a stormtrooper's point of view about things such as uh, bad aiming, stormtrooper aiming, thuggish um, okay. Jedi behaviour, right? Uh, Order sixty six. Uh, there's medichlorins. There's a whole host of other things. It's um, uh, stormtroopers are not clones, and so on and so forth. And, right, um, right. Okay. Yeah, it, you, you obviously, for the jokes to fully work, you need to know your Star Wars. Uh, you don't need to know it in any sort of depth. Just know that stormtroopers, stormtroopers aren't very good at aiming. Their armor's not very good. Um, they got their butts kicked by uh, little fairy teddy bears, so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. And what you got here is a comedy look at. They, they only last, I don't know, about five minutes an episode, give or take a couple of minutes. Yeah. Um, and yeah it's it's uh, it just really really cracked me up it was a long time ago i listened to it and i keep meaning to um point it out to you i think it's it's been now back when i was going through some of the podio books okay uh, yeah some of the episodes are available in the podio books um now there's two feeds on itunes Okay. The Podio Books version is only the first 15 episode. Okay. Right. What you're looking for is the 24 episode version. Oh, okay. Right, which is basically, uh, so if you look on iTunes, type in a different point of view. You might want to type in Star Wars with it or whatever. Yeah. Um, type in a different point of view, click all on podcasts, and you scroll down there, and you'll come across two of them. Right, okay. Like I say, ignore the 15-episode one. Um, you get those 15 episodes plus nine more on the 24-episode version. Right. Uh, now, this can actually... All 24 uh, episodes can be downloaded if you haven't got iTunes from uh, www.adpov, which obviously stands for A Different Point of View. So, adpov.net forward slash adpov dash archives. Right, okay. And if you go on the show notes, they're on there. Um, I mean, you'll probably find it if you do a search as well, uh, a different point of view, TK0013. I'm sure you'll come up with it there. But, yeah, it, it really, really cracked me up. It doesn't take long to work through. It's, um, like I say, a long, long time ago I listened to it, and it still holds up in my memory now. In fact, I might have to download it all and give it another listen because I really did enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, to be honest, I heard the um, the little trailer earlier, and I thought, ah, oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> so, now you've done well because I didn't realise it was a trailer. Um, uh, Google is my friend. <laughs> That's very. <laughs> you see, I've I've searched for images. I found a few images. I know, I, I know. Well done. A promo or a trailer. <laughs> um. Excellent. Right, well, that's it for this week. If you want to come find us on the forum, it's reddwarforum.com. Don't forget, you can you can be part of the scoring now. 
If you want to find us on Twitter, it's twitter.com forward slash Red Dwarf Forum. And hello to all the new... We've actually had quite an influx of uh, followers over the past couple of weeks, so uh, hello to all of you. If you want to send us an email, it's scuttercast at reddwarfforum.com. And finally, if you want to find us on Facebook, you're going to need to look under the main Fiction Shed name, which is obviously Fiction Shed. Um, that's where uh, that's the name that Scuttercast and Red Dwarf Forum and everything else comes under. Uh, but we're on there, and you can find all the feeds for the the other projects on there. So that's it for this week. Um, hopefully, my voice will be better by the next episode, and that next episode will be Stoke Me a Clipper. So until then, I'll see you later. Uh, bye.